0: I'm Brandon Bartnick, and this is the Future of Mobility podcast. We're at an exciting time in the mobility sector, with new technology causing us to continually question the way that we move both goods and people. My job is to talk to the individuals leading this revolution and to investigate the challenges and opportunities we face as we develop safer and more sustainable mobility. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating. Today I'm joined by Franz Santalemi. Franz is President and Chief Operating Officer of LutterTech, a company supporting the automated driving industry by providing a versatile and scalable sensing platform as well as solid-state LiDAR module solutions for autonomous shuttles, trucks, buses, delivery vehicles, and robo-taxis. Franz and I talk about the operating principle for LiDAR, its role in assisted and automated vehicles, Lettertech's recent acquisition of VeaVision for their sensor fusion capabilities and perception software stack, and I even get Franz to talk about how we've used Tesla's controversial statements about LiDAR. Please enjoy my conversation with Franz Santalemi. Today I'm joined by Franz Santolini. Franz, uh, thanks for joining. Thank you for having me yeah of course so to, to start off could you please give a little background on yourself and introduce uh what you're doing right now what you're working on
1: sure um so uh, my name is Franz saint i'm uh, president and chief operating officer of lettertech uh, i've been with the company for the last three years now um you know prior to that i was with integrated device technology uh, out of uh, the bay area um, and uh, essentially as uh, General Manager for the Automotive and Industrial Division. My background is tech, semiconductors, sensors, uh, automotive um, in general, and I've been at it for uh, maybe the last twenty-three years now. Awesome.
0: And so, so with uh, with Tech now, right? Can can you give just the uh, I guess elevator pitch for kind of who who Lutard Tech is as a company and
1: what you guys are focusing on? Of course, Uh, you know, Lettertech is actually, uh, we are um, uh, an environmental sensing company. Um, Essentially, we offer um, end-to-end sensing solutions to enable, um, you know, ADAS applications for automotive passenger cars, as well as uh, autonomous uh, driving solutions. What we do is we we provide a suite of of, um, solutions that is based on Uh, signal acquisition, signal processing, uh, perception, and sensor fusion. So we go from the sensor node, uh, uh, taking a LIDAR um, approach, Mm -hmm. to all the way to the uh, middleware on the signal processing, advanced signal processing, uh, all the way to the application layer, perception, and fusion. Uh, We don't go as far as making the decision or the decision policies for the uh, autonomous driving or the advanced driver system. But what we enable our customers to do is to actually start with 80 or 90% of the solution mm-hmm. and allow them to innovate, which is on their autonomous driving uh, software. And so your
0: direct customers, if I understand so, in the automotive industry, it's it's
1: more the tier one suppliers, is that right? That is correct. So our primary customers would be a tier one supplier, but also a tier two uh, system integrator. So okay. it's not uncommon for the automotive space to work with both. So our technology is completely applicable to a tier two. For example, a typical tier two may be, for instance, a Renaissance or an, N- an NXP or an STMicro or mm-hmm. an NVIDIA, who would then take our signal processing and our sensors and integrate that into a module and supply that to a tier one who does the finished uh, ADAS application or AV application. It could be a component supplier like Osram, who's on the optics side and lasers. Uh, then they take our, our, our solution, our, basically our components and our software, and they integrate their laser components, create the module. Deliver that to, let's say, an Aptiv or a Conti, who mm-hmm. then creates the, the, the finished uh, ADAS platform or AV platform.
0: Okay, yeah, it makes sense. And uh, I, I'll have some more detailed questions about, I guess, exactly what that means and some of the, the cool things you're, you're working on. Yeah. Um, but I, I'd first actually like to, to take a step back here. And um, I think a lot of people who are, who are listening here will be familiar with most of the, the terms and things you're using. But in case anyone is not, I'd like to take a step back and understand or describe kind of what, what you guys are actually doing. So within assisted and automated driving, right, and please, please speak to this and correct me, but level two up, say level two through five, there's, the way I interpret it is you have to sense what's in the world around you, somehow make sense of, somehow, I guess, put together a picture of what that world is, make decisions based on that picture, and then actually provide actuation to the vehicle, which um, allows for the automated driving. And if I understand right, you guys are doing or are playing parts in everything up to that decision making. Is that is that an accurate
1: Yeah. So, so, our solutions allow the customer um, or or the, the 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 integrator to have essentially a scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so create a scene uh, of of what's going on in the environment, and then within the scene, we also enable them to identify. Uh, objects or obstacles and then we also allow uh, and enable them to identify uh, and uh, segment and classify those those objects Mm -hmm. and then we also now with the fusion stack we allow them to understand the scene better and make educated decisions as far as where's the free space where's the obstacle predicting Uh, What the obstacle might do is if it's a vehicle or versus a bike, what are the intentions? So giving them the tools to actually better understand the scene Mm -hmm. and then make decision. So we don't go as far as the decision making, but we enable them on really understanding the scene, not just creating the scene, but also placing the obstacles, understanding the, 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 the scene better. And can we talk maybe in more detail about what this uh, sensor fusion
0: actually means and, and practically how that looks? So you're you're integrating information from lidar as, as well as other type of sensors, right? And there's overlap on on the vehicle. How, how exactly does that work?
1: Uh, uh, great question. So. You know, there are multiple sensor modalities on a vehicle. So you mentioned a level two. Typically what we see today in a level two and now going to level two plus uh, next year essentially are a camera, uh, um, a radar, optical sensors, uh, GPS, and an IMU. Mm -hmm. So essentially all of these are basically capturing information and all that has to be processed but also has to be fused so that we overlay them on top of each other to validate think of this as you know the different senses we as human beings have we hear the scene we hear the noise can we see it yep. um and and does it have a smell so if it's a large truck it, you can hear the noise your eyes see it and then you smell the gas as well for example Right? So, these modalities have to be fused to validate so that the, uh, 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 let's say, the uh, uh, artificial intelligence that's being used or mm-hmm. the AI can make a decision to say, okay, I know it's a truck, because I validated that with the optical sensor, with the GPS, with the, the uh, camera and the, and the radar. Mm-hmm. And so, from that standpoint, the fusion typically today, Um, most companies do processed fusion so the camera gets the feed it gets filtered and processed and then it's sent to the central or the decision-making processor right or the the brains of the vehicle Mm -hmm. it it does the same with the radar does the same with the GPS the problem when you're doing that is, is like the, a little bit of the game of the telephone pole. You start with one thing at the beginning. By the time it gets filtered out, the, inf- the same uh, 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 phrase may have changed completely at the end of the telephone pole. So because every time every individual processes it. So mm-hmm. is, the sensors are the same. If, if you process it at the camera level, you process it at the GPS level, you process it at the radar level, you lose out valuable information you know, or, you know, or valuable data, yeah. and and it gets watered down. So what what we believe is the best approach is to get raw data, so unfiltered, unprocessed. So get the information back to... Uh, us as quickly as possible or the data I should say as quickly as possible, and then we process the entire uh, uh, sensor node at once and so therefore it allows us to validate unfiltered unprocessed information and we think that is a better way to get higher resolution uh, to get a, a more, more cost efficient solution because every sensor if you're going to have to process them um, essentially you're adding costs on processing, you're adding costs on packaging, you're adding a, a lot of costs. And so it's the most efficient way and also the most scalable way to process, uh, to do sensor fusion.
0: So maybe the, the obvious question then is, is why hasn't this approach been taken before?
1: Because it's very complex. <laughs> so there's, there's lots of academia Uh, if you Google raw data fusion, you'll get lots and lots of research paper, but no one has been able to implement that in a cost efficient way in a system up until now. And um, that's why it's uh, it's so important.
0: Is the quantity of data that you're you're dealing with now also much higher if you're, I guess, using raw data instead of the
1: process data? No question. I mean, the, the higher the resolution of the camera, the more data gets, comes out of it. The higher definition of GPS, the more data. So, of course, the, the load uh, becomes important and true for a LiDAR. Um, and so, therefore, um, you need to have you know, a, uh, an efficient software. You also need to have a, high, a powerful processor to be able to do that.
0: And maybe a stupid question here, but is this processing taking place on board not on the vehicle? Correct. It's all done
1: on the vehicle, and then uh, you know, as soon as the scene uh, is re- reconstructed and the information is deducted, you know, the, then you move on to another scene. So this happens, you know, sim- you mm-hmm. know, in real time, and uh, it's it's quite efficient. You don't have to worry about data load and and so forth. So. So it's quite it's quite uh, elegant in terms of a solution.
0: So where where is this on the development timeline? So if if I'm taking a if I go take a GM super cruise vehicle on on the road, it's it's you know it's it's going to be processing it way upstream, right? That's been out for a couple of years. So where where is this approach that Lettertech's taking? Where are you guys, and when do you see this making it to production?
1: So we we are now in the um, um, so we we already have a solution that is available that we can actually engage with customers. Mm -hmm. This solution does not include uh, LetterTech's lidar technology, but it includes you know other lidar makers. So so we are agnostic to any sensor. So we suggest the LetterTech lidar because we think it's a better solution. But then. If the customer has made an architectural decision on another lidar, mm-hmm. um, or any camera, any GP, any uh, radar maker, so our solution works with all of that uh, that's exists. So we have a solution that actually we are in uh, working with the lead customers today, and uh, and, and certainly you mentioned uh, the, the Ford Super Cruise. We actually our solution could um, potentially work with any of the approaches that they're taking on the sensor side. So these would be the types of customers we'd be talking to. Mm -hmm. Our first LiDAR-based perception stack will be available for lead customer sampling or demonstration by the end of this year, and then uh, lead customer sampling by the first half of next year.
0: Gotcha. So slightly changing topic, let's talk a bit about LiDAR in particular so if, if you wouldn't mind to start could you just in layman term help describe i think people understand how camera radar works things like that can you describe what a what a lidar is a lidar sure. sensor uh
1: the lidar too uh, you know lidar is um is if you think about it, it's it's light uh, uh detection and ranging. Mm-hmm. so um lidar works with uh, essentially light sources so we pulse thousands uh, and in, in some cases millions of, of laser pulses uh, within every scene essentially mm-hmm. or seconds. And then we capture what is uh, reflected back. And then we digitize that and convert that into a digital map. And then that allows us to basically convert the environment into the digital domain and then place specific objects within that scene. So we use the light reflection that gets returned uh, back. And the reason why the, this technique is important for autonomous driving or advanced driver systems uh, is because it's the resolution that you get out of it is greater than than radar. And um, so, so uh, you know, what's important is resolution range, uh, you, you know, of course, cost and you know refresh rates but the most the the two key elements are how far can you see Mm -hmm. and then when then you if you say okay i detect something at 200 meters but you can't say what it is well you know it's useless it's it's useful but it's not as as use as useful Uh, sorry Mm -hmm. it's useless unless you can say you know oh i've detected a car that's about 200 meters uh, down the road and so radar today can tell you, hey, at 200 meters or 150 meters, there's something. But it can't tell you what it is. It does not have the resolution to do that. Mm-hmm. With LiDAR, you can actually have that resolution. In fact, in some radar, uh, some LiDAR, when you digitize the scene, you look at it, it looks like an image. It's the mm-hmm. closest to a video feed or a camera feed. Um, so, so the resolution is quite high and awesome. so lidars the obstacles for automotive has always been performance and cost. uh these things have cost thousands tens of thousands of dollars in fact a velodyne uh lidar today is still in the thousands of dollars so it's not practical to use that in automotive well you know now with um, solid state technology mm-hmm. um solid state has allowed uh, miniaturization as well as advanced performance and durability that meets the automotive standards but also that are low cost. And Lettertech has always been doing uh, solid state LIDAR since 2007. And, um, And it's one of the benefits of our technology. It not only allows you to be able to make these system decisions on the scene as far as resolution and range, but also it's low cost. And it yeah, looks looks better too, right?
0: If <laughs> if you yeah, picture yeah. that, uh, I, I think a lot of people when they if they think in their head of an automated vehicle, you know, they think of the, the puck on top, right, yeah. spinning all the cage that goes around with with it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, I guess can you can you touch on real quick? So the way the way I tend to think of you know the typical that puck. LIDAR is essentially it's spinning and it's shooting a bunch of lasers out and it's measuring how quick it comes back and it's putting together a 360 picture of of the environment, yes. but can you describe that when you say Solid-state LIDAR what, what what's what's the difference there in the functionality? And then what what does that mean for? So price obviously as you touch but but what else does that mean for I guess the ability for customers to be uh, Accurate and perce- perceiving near the ground or, or what other uh, benefits there are
1: Yeah, so I'm sorry, my, my dog here no is, uh, is going crazy. Um, um, you know, um, so the way to think about salt state is, is really there are no moving parts. Mm-hmm. So in this case, you wouldn't have the spinners or the mechanical scanners to, that will scan this, the, the, the scene. And so what you have is essentially a complete digital approach that allows us to actually still do a scene capture, but without all the moving parts. And it's all done uh, digitally or using um, semiconductors. Um, And so it actually does the same. Um, What what, uh, typical mechanical scanners, why it was important for them to to have the spinning turrets is they needed 360 degree coverage. Mm -hmm. And so it was the way, you couldn't have four of these on the vehicle. I mean, they're just too expensive. So, yes. um, and then essentially they, they break. Um, so, with um, solid state LIDARs, what you can do is, is now you can have uh, you know, varying field of views. Um, so, if you're going to a front long range applications, you can have a more narrow field of view that allows you to look into the scene and essentially always looking forward. Uh, if you're in a side and corner applications, you need shorter range and you need wider angle field of view. And so you could combine a number of these LIDARs together because they're uh, cheap, generally speaking, and you can have them fit and function purpose rather mm-hmm. than having one LIDAR that tries to do everything. And um, and so that's the the difference between solid state is there's, there are no moving parts and then these products can last the entire lifetime of the vehicle.
0: And when you, when you mentioned cost, so can you give a, a feel for, I guess, what a if you want to look at either a specific LiDAR sensor or the whole range for a, for a typical vehicle, what, what are we looking at now for the cost for the ADAS automated driving sensor, sensor suite and where do you think that needs to get before it's uh, viable for, for the mass market?
1: Yeah, it, it depends on the use case, but a single lidar, mm-hmm. um, you know, in our mind, to get mass adoption in the automotive space has to be sub $500 in volume.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, volume, you're talking about half a million units or so, and so this means that to the tier one, it has to be somewhere around $300 or so cost, and so so that today. Uh, most industries nowhere near that um, for a couple of reasons. One is no one has been able to uh, before lidar tech anyways, no one has been able to productize and commercialize a solid state LIDAR. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is there's no volume yet. So it's a chicken and egg. So yeah. you need to bring the cost downs to have, uh, you know, um, any volume, but you need volume also to have any, any cost downs. And so, So we've been able to find ways to do that, but today the industry is mostly around um, 1,000 going all the way up to 2,000. And the the objective for most LiDAR makers is to get down to the sub-thousand level. Um, And the reason why it's difficult for most LiDAR makers uh, to achieve the cost targets is because most of them do the signal acquisition and signal processing discreetly. Um, So they use discrete components, uh, which are, you know, analog converters, uh, uh, transimpedience amplifiers, uh, 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 microcontrollers, and so forth. Mm -hmm. And then they combine that with all the discrete laser components and optics, and then they try to assemble that into a finished product. So basically, if you think about it, it's like contract manufacturing. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I mean, they assemble a bunch of discrete components and they put software on top of it and call it the LiDAR. I mean, I, I'm bastardizing it. It sounds yeah. easy, but but it's not that simple. It's very complex. What we have done is essentially take a very different approach. We said, okay, how do we address the problem at the source? You can't have all these discrete components and, you know and be separately working and separately efficient and be efficient. So we've integrated thousands of dollars of discrete components into a single SoC that is basically allowing us to do the signal acquisition, and then we use software to do the signal processing. So typically today, most uh, LiDAR makers use an FPGA and a microcontroller to do the signal acquisition, digitize it, and then process it on an FPGA or on a big expensive uh, processor from an nvidia Mm -hmm. problem is is that you know every discrete component so from analog devices to ti to maxim to USRAM to xilinx or or intel they all have to make money and so they're all supplying to the same companies the same discrete components it's not you can't shrink that so what we have done is integrate that into a single chip that reduces thousands of dollars of costs and that's basically our core expertise in terms of signal acquisition and signal processing and so this soc works in tandem with the software and reduces at the low end you know about a thousand to two thousand dollars worth of discrete components uh, into a single chip and then at the higher end uh you know potentially up to four or five thousand dollars of discrete components
0: well, yeah, it makes the the approach makes a lot of sense, and as you had touched on earlier, I'm sure uh, executions a lot more complex than it. it sounds on the surface. But it sounds you get like you guys are um, well on your way and making good progress there. Exactly.
1: Once you've integrated these discrete components to a single chip, you don't have all these issues of product production yields. Um, you know, uh, uh, automotive grade because they all have to be automotive grade. This this SOC is developed according to functional safety ISO two six two six two, and uh, and essentially meets the automotive standards. And you're you're talking about an SOC that's at the low end twenty dollars, all the way to you know eighty dollars. That includes the software versus but you know.
0: Can you just quickly? So we we're talking primarily about automotive um, grade materials and automotive applications here. Can you just briefly touch on, I guess, the other industries you guys are supporting and and what that looks like?
1: Yeah, the mobility market. Mobility for us is is an all-encompassing segment, but with different applications. So in mobility, we include shuttles, autonomous delivery vehicles, uh, automated ground vehicles, off-roading, so things like agriculture, mining, forestry, and so forth. And so what we supply there is because they can't develop their own LIDARs, and typically they're an OEM in general, Mm -hmm. we supply them with a finished LIDAR. We supply them with a a perception stack as well as a fusion stack. And so basically we give them a complete recipe that allows them to start right away, put the sensor in the vehicle and start collecting data and understanding the scene and making decisions so these are they don't need full automotive grade qualification for now because they want to get off and start uh, uh, you know demonstrating the use cases very rapidly mm-hmm. so it's it's a it's it's a market that's actually over the the coming 3 years that's going to be become quite a large significant billions of dollar market yep. uh, and that's growing at at a fast clip and so last
0: Last question before uh, before the quick rapid fire round. I like to close with so the kind of the the, the famous question in the lidar space um, comes from Tesla's approach, right? So, at least my my perception or my the way I understand it is that they claim okay, you can drive a vehicle primarily with your eyes with uh, by using cameras and maybe some radars and then some machine learning algorithms. We can put together a solution for level yeah even level four, level five
1: solution without the need for a LiDAR sensor? We believe that you can do autonomous driving just with camera and, and radar. In fact, technically, the camera, you can actually do that with a camera on its own. You know? The issue is, you know, what is your safety policy? Mm-hmm. Um, so just like you and I, if we lose an eye, we can function very well. But we can function not as well as if we had both of our eyes. Um, same if you lose, this, if you lose one, one of your complete senses. If you lost your voice, for example, um, or your ability to taste, sorry, um, you, know, you could still function. But you'd be missing out on a lot of good information in the world. Um, so you can do autonomous vehicle or ADAS just with camera and radar. It's just not as safe if you have all sensor modalities functioning and, and being redundant to one another. Mm-hmm. Typical use case where you see Tesla having accidents, bright sunlight, you would think counterintuitive. It's bright, it's bright as you know, clear daylight. And then it runs into another stopped car. Why? Because the camera is blind from the sun and although the radar detects an object but it doesn't know if it's a piece of paper or if it's a bird or if it's a a truck Mm -hmm. that's on the side of the road so it will happen in situations where it's blind the other thing too is you need high definition mapping that's refreshed almost instantaneously the advantage of lidar it gives you high definition mapping Immediately. So it does things, something we call SLAM, simultaneous location and mapping. So it's uh, as it's going, it's updating the map as it's going because the radar is, the LIDAR is scanning the scene, creating a, a digital map on, instantaneously, which helps the vehicle locate itself but also identify obstacles within that scene. So again, typical scenarios where you see Tesla has a problem. Is well the mapping is not updated because they don't have any means to do uh, 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 instantaneous uh, simultaneous location and mapping, so these things will happen and um, but but technically speaking, you know Elon Musk is right you don't need it but you know if safety is a pri- is not a priority for you, you can get a vehicle on the market sure some some accidents will happen, people will die but you know, you still have an autonomous vehicle. The Germans, however, think very differently. And I think the traditional car makers are thinking about it from saying safety is our number one priority. And uh, unfortunately, the whole uh, uh, stock market and the press doesn't give them that much credit for for being safe, for airing on safety first. Because you look at now, Tesla's worth in all the car manufacturers combined. So. He, you know in the end maybe he's right maybe you know he's, he's he's the one talking about safety is not an issue but we think that for any level two plus and level three um you know adas vehicle mm-hmm. uh the best the more safest solution is with lidar
0: and assuming i guess the costs continue to drop as as expected that i think that that answer becomes easier and easier for car manufacturers no right to incorporate no question so, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I like the analogy you used. So, so thanks. Uh, appreciate the thoughts there. So, like, like I mentioned, I'd like to close now with w- just three rapid-fire cl- uh, questions, more more specific to, uh, I guess, you you personally a bit here. So, the first one is: Is there a particular book or books that you've read that has been impactful on you?
1: Yeah, there are several books uh, that that I think have been, in fact, impactful. The most recent that. Uh, that I had uh, reread again was the goal from uh, Ailey Goldrat. Okay. Uh, basically, it's it's about it's a theory of constraints. Um, mm-hmm. Then on a more uh, uh, private, uh, less less business, um, you know, level, um, you know, there's uh, it's this French uh, uh, book, Les Miserables, um, okay. which uh, you know it's it's kind of a story about love. Mm-hmm. um so yeah very very cool um next question uh
0: a hobby of yours so when, when you're not working what's something that you enjoy doing or spend time doing
1: uh I, you know i used to play a lot of soccer i played competitive soccer growing up unfortunately after two knee uh, three knee surgeries i had to stop but now i'm a spectator and a and a, and a coach and a part-time coach
0: <laughs> nice and so last last question here for you uh a personal strength for you. So if I, were to, if I were to ask someone who knows you well, or the people who work around you, what, what does Franz do particularly well that has enabled, enabled you to have the success and impact that you've had so far? What do, what do you think they'd say?
1: Uh, you know, I think my number one skill is I'm a problem solver. Um, that probably comes from being resilient. Um, so, you know, I, I don't get phased easily. So, mm-hmm. so therefore, um, you know, I think my biggest, yeah, biggest strength would be that I can solve complex problems. Awesome. So I would like to close here with a, uh,
0: kind of an open-ended two-parter for you. So the first one, where can people find more about you, letter tech, whatever, wherever you want to send people, whether it's website, um, social media, et, et cetera. And then the second thing, just if there's anything we didn't touch or anything, uh, in particular, you want to leave us with if the floor is yours.
1: Yes. So uh, first things first, uh, you know, if you want to hear more about letter tech, you can uh, look at us at, uh, look us up on the internet, lettertech.com, or just Google letter tech. Um, mm-hmm. We'll pop up. Um, you know, uh, about me, I'm usually on, on LinkedIn. Uh, so you can reach me on LinkedIn. Uh, uh, just look for St. Lamy Um As far as, um, where we see the the, the future, uh, where we see these things evolving, we see, um, um, you know, uh, lidar as being one of the modalities that is required for uh, ADAS and autonomous driving. But but we feel that the tier ones want more than lidar. We believe that in the future it has to be it has to shift from product to system and solutions. Um, mm-hmm. So lidar is one of it but going forward uh, the tier ones or the oems want integrated solutions that allows them to basically the flexibility of an open architecture the flexibility the scale from one sensor to multiple sensors and therefore you know uh, you know the typical rhetoric of a black box lidar selling that black box to a tier one the tier one does the final assembly and then it ships to an oem it's, it's not going to scale. So the tier ones will need more from the uh, tier two providers like us. And so that's the reason why we have made a recent acquisition in the uh, sensor fusion space uh, with ViaVision, mm-hmm. because we feel that being a one-trick pony for, uh, if for the industry is not enough. You need to have more of an integrated solution, more of a complete solution. So the way to think of LetterTech is to look at Intel Mobileye, what they've done coming from a camera-based uh, or computer vision-based, applying all the sensor modalities on top of that and delivering a complete vertically integrated solution for ADAS level 2 all the way to level 5 um, as a black box. Mm-hmm. And that's their, their core. We are coming from a LIDAR, um, so adding computer vision, um, uh, radar, and sensor fusion, um, and, and essentially offering an open architecture that allows the customers to go f- with one hardware or one sensor or the other, or the complete sensor node, but giving the complete degree of freedom. And, uh, and we think that is also another way to go. So both, will be the, there will be the vertically integrated, And there'll be the open architecture with collaboration across multiple players. Mm -hmm. And we feel that both have a fit and, uh, and we feel that uh, LIDAR just like radar or camera, uh, is, will be just one of the modalities suppliers need to offer complete solutions
0: makes a lot of sense and at least based on the way you've explained everything it sounds like it's not just a convenient thing it's not just you know a letter tech trying to to pull more of the value this seems like legitimate uh legitimate value here to having a one-stop end-to-end solution and efficiency and cost so really appreciate your thoughts
1: pleasure brendan thank you for having
0: me i'm brendan bartnick and
1: this is the future of mobility podcast